And we are live. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast at Ground Zero, your home of the apocalypse for episode 47, Medical Care in the Apocalypse. Tonight, we are having our usual crew of myself, Mr. Glancy, and William T. Thrasher. And we're going we're gonna to talk about how uh, your HMO is not going to be very helpful after it all goes to shit. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Fortunately, the Obama uh, Care death panels will be available to put down the critically injured. Excellent. Thus, saving supplies for those of us who can actually be treated. You know, there there actually was a, a post-apocalyptic tabletop role-playing game I was playing where I believe they had found they they had found some NPC who like had some weird disease that was killing them, and they were debating whether they should find the cure. And one of the characters just says, "You know." I prescribe bullets. Said <laughs> <laughs> so he was, I just went and shot the NPC. You fool! We need those bullets. Couldn't you just strangle them to death or hit them with a piece of concrete? I mean, what kind of what kind of thinking is that? Wow. Um, it, it's it's funny thinking. That's for sure. Well, I, pre I prescribe bullets is funnier than I prescribe bayonet or concrete cinder block. Yeah. You know. Or. A uh, garrote, you know, or something. Yeah, garrote, yes. <laughs> yeah. I prescribe asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. Both bullets are a lot funnier. So yeah. bullets are always funnier. Really. Yes. So, folks, we're going to talk about you know medical care in the apocalypse because I think we we've danced around the subject before. We've we've only bar barely touched on it, and then I was like, oh, what about medical care? So we'll talk about that as a as a broad topic. Um, uh, before we get started, as usual, any in the news? I don't got a whole lot this week, as usual. Um, I did see. Now I had I had to see the movie, so don't uh, don't crucify me. I had to see it because I was obliged to, because we we watch bad movies, so you don't have to. Okay, so I I did see the new Terminator movie, Terminator okay. Genesis, okay. and um, in brief. If you feel you have to have to see, if you feel you have to see it on the big screen, see it, see it as a matinee. Okay, save yourself some money. Okay, um, it does start off okay because you know it's basically they're rebooting the franchise. They're basically rebooting the franchise to appeal to a younger audience. And, that, and at, least, at least they have the time travel excuse that they can keep fucking with the franchise because it's a fucked up time travel story. Oh, and it's so fucked up. I mean, normally, normally. I could I can almost keep track of the other Terminator movies, you know, kind of okay, what they're doing. I just gave up on this because it's like, so you change the timelines from the other ones. Ah, no, it hurt it hurt my brain. But it started off. They did some good homages to the original films. They did some like scene for scene shots from the original Terminator. They did you know they did a lot of you know nods to stuff, but like maybe. Halfway, not even halfway through, it just started to degrade. To uh, yes, this is a this is a teen flick. You know, we're just making it appeal to a young audience. Did, did by any chance they have a gunfight at the Tech Noir on Pico? I wish they, I wish they would have, because <laughs> that was always my favorite. One of my favorite parts of the first film was 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 the Tech Noir on Pico. Yeah. yeah, that's no. It's nothing like that, and it's because it's all about you know the actors. Or she's just a pretty face, and she's very 
cardboard acting, not very good. You know, whereas I think Linda Hamilton gave a sense of, you know, realism to the character. This one doesn't. It's just like, okay, I'm just your cookie cutter, pretty face in Hollywood. This is going to be in any freaking movie. So, again, folks, this is my opinion of it. Like I said, it started off okay. They did some interesting changes, like, you know, because, you know, with each movie, Judgment Day got pushed further and further out because they kept on changing things. So, so I mean, that's obvious that's going to happen. So, not too many spoilers, but it does get it does get pushed to our time frame now, which makes sense because it kept on getting pushed further and further and further. And the way they deal with what Skynet is and becomes is like, okay, it's contemporary. It makes a little more sense in our modern world. Uh, so, it, it had a couple of interesting things. Start off okay, a lot of good... I said I get a lot, a lot of good scenes, but scenes, but this is not a good movie <laughs> overall. How does it, how does it rate to that shitty Christian Bale one and the, uh, the one before? Oh, uh, Judgment uh, Terminator. Wait, wait, uh, Didn't it have some like generic title like Dark Fall or something like that? No, uh, no. The third one, the third one was Terminator. Well, I actually, I actually had some things about that one I liked. Um, Which one, the third one? Well, the third one where it starts off where, hi, I'm John Connor. I was gonna say be the savior of humanity. Now I'm just a homeless guy because we changed the timeline. He's not, you know. I kind of like the fact that because the world is saved, he has nothing to do. You know, in the new timeline, I thought that was sort of. Yeah, yeah. Salvation, uh, salvation was the last one, which was. During the apocalypse was okay, and the third one with Claire Danes, you know, that was a, yeah, that's the I, I I didn't like it when it first came out, but it uh, it grew on me, and it's not so bad compared Those, to compared to the recent ones. The recent, the, the new one, this new again, this new one is just uh, anyway. So let's let's not talk. We could do a whole show on Terminator, so let's let's save it for that, okay? Uh, so robot apocalypses. Question for you, sir, uh, Mr. Wallace. Yes. How are you enjoying uh, your Fallout Shelter? Oh, I was going to talk about Fallout Shelter. Okay, Fallout Shelter, the app. I think I mentioned it last show. Um, it's addictive, but after a month of using it, it's boring. Okay. Because there's only so much you can do. Got it. I haven't seen anything crazy. They just add a new thing. Oh, weird things happen in the shelter. And take a picture and share it. I haven't seen anything weird happen. It's basically, okay, I've now built enough stuff to sustain power, food, and water. And raiders come every once in a while. I send people out to collect shit. And I'm unlocking things. It, it just gets like, okay, it's a bore. It's become a boring uh, you know, smartphone app. Okay. After a month. You, you manage to master... The application in the game in a month. Oh yeah, oh less than that. It's just now. It's just I send people out to collect goodies and build more storage space to collect more goodies, and nothing else. Nothing else is happening. It's like I said. The funny thing I did was I tried to make sure that um, uh, Three Dog fathered almost every child in the place. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I, so I did. I did do that. And uh, oh, oh wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was. That's great. That's that's a eugenics program I can get behind. <laughs> so, like I said, it, it's fun. Like I said, it's fun, but after a while it gets, okay, you know, unless they do something different to it, then it's, yeah. you know, it's got a limited shelf life. But you know what? Again, it's free. Free. It's free. free. 
It's free, so that's, again, just for uh, iPhone users, uh, Apple users, um, Android users. They have one in development, and I think it's supposed to come out in a couple months or something, like in the fall, I believe. So it's worth checking out. It's Again, it's it's a free time waster. So but if you like Fallout, by all means, check it out. Absolutely. Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Wallace, that's all right. I'm glad to hear we got caught up on that. Mr. Thrasher, uh, what do you got for us in the apocalypse? Uh, I've actually got something. Uh, those of you who have seen my Facebook and Twitter feed will have already been aware of this, but this will impact the show if, if you'll let it. Uh, at our local Peddler's Mall, I found in mint condition the oh. novel of Zardoz, the oh! novel that, that John Borman, the writer-slash-director of that movie, wrote in frustration because the studio recut the movie for release. Wow. So this is the original <laughs> concept of Zardoz. Simultaneous wow pretty much sums up our feelings on that. You got stereo wow from us. Wow, that 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 is that is an artifact. That is a treasure right there, sir. Yeah. We we demand a book report. We demand an entire episode on Zardoz. Oh yes. Uh, I'm, I'm reading it right now, uh, and I do fully intend to do a book report on this on the show, if you'll if you'll permit me oh, to yes. talk about Zardoz anymore on this podcast. Oh, better yes. You, better you than me, uh, as far as having to read it. And if you actually write something up, I will, I will post it on the blog, for sure. Oh, very cool. For sure, because we, we could definitely, you, you, don't, you can't get enough of, uh, you know, well, it doesn't have Sean Connery in a thong, but you know what? <laughs> Sean Connery's in a thong no matter what now. It's and, ruined. <laughs> and don't forget, in a bridal dress. They put Sean Connery in a bridal oh, yeah. dress with a veil. There's, there's also that. So it's got everything, clearly. It's, uh, so, it's, it's Zardoz. So, uh, and also something me and William, uh, I, I designed, and William's been helping me with the art and some of the layout and, a little bit of the, and some of the editing, uh, we'll have it out probably, hopefully, in a few weeks because uh, I just got to do some uh, test prints and Will's just finishing up some stuff. For our gamer friends who go to conventions, you're all well familiar with the party game Are You a Werewolf? I'm sure anybody who's been to a convention knows Are You a Werewolf? So what uh, I originally designed, I came up with was a post-apocalyptic version of Are You a Werewolf called Are You a Mutant? Go figure. Are you? Are you a mutant? So, if you know how to play Are You a Werewolf, you can play Are You a Mutant. It's just we, you know, made made you know made some adjustments to you know director script, the characters, uh, the way things go. But otherwise, it works just like Are You a Werewolf, and it's uh, it's a post-apocalyptic setting. You know, you got your enforcers, your lookouts, your mutants, your survivors. So uh, we're just finishing up on that, and then it's going to be available for sale. Uh, on the drive-through cards website, so it's it's print-on-demand card site uh, affiliated with Drive-Through RPG, and the quality of the work is excellent, just as good as any mass-produced uh, playing cards. Because I've done I've done other stuff with them, and I know you guys over at Skirmisher are doing decks with them now too. So yes, our cards and quest decks uh, you, uh, use uh, uh, DriveThroughCards.com. Yeah, and it's uh, it's good quality stuff. So yeah, so we'll have that out soon. I'll I'll post it uh, when it comes around and. I did get, uh, I haven't hung them up yet, but I, I did finally get my Metamorphosis Alpha 11 by 17 poster of the original cover from the Kickstarter. Very nice. And, uh, and of course, we all saw my Thunder, but I got him in, uh, yeah. 
I got it in some frames now, and I'm gonna hang them on. I'm gonna hang them on the apocalyptic wall with my Gamma World poster, my Gamma World map. Uh, so I'm gonna make this the whole wall in front of me that I look up on when I'm on the computer is all my post-apocalyptic artwork and stuff like that. So pretty much that wall has become your wank thing. Uh, well, yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, well, it, it keeps me happy. I don't have anything post-apocalyptic to report, but I have to report this to, to Mr. Wallace because for years he had been plugging this film, Drive Angry. I, I finally saw it this weekend. I broke down and saw Drive Angry. I loved it. The wife loved it. It is, it is just a semi-tractor trailer loaded with stupid, on fire, crashing into a crowd of people. That's, that is... Drive angry. It is all the dumb you could possibly ask for in one place. The it's a little uh, it's a little sad to see that they had such a limited budget, but they they really did everything they could with that limited budget. There's a lot of shit CGI in it. There's a lot of terrible green screen. Uh, people driving in the cars looks like the Dukes of Hazard, you know. Well, but, but I love it. I love it. It's a guilty pleasure. I love that film, man. It's but great. That film, that film has a lot of heart as far as they were going to be a B movie, and they are a B fucking movie. And so, again, and again, I told you the best part of that film. You know what the best part of that film was? Is the account? Is the account? Is the account? Will William Finch? Fincher. Fincher. William Fincher. William Fincher. Best, oh, yeah. part, best part of that film. <laughs> yeah, he's he's particularly spectacular um, in it. I I just wish they had had more budget to show him do things that violated the laws of physics. One of my favorite things is when the guy swings the bat at him and he dodges out of the way just bending at his ankles. He just goes, er, er, right back up again. You know, that's the dodge because, well, you know, he's supernatural, so... Physics doesn't mean he gets out of the car that's crashing and immediately loses all momentum. You know, all inertia just stops for him, and he, or, you know, he just, er, you know. And I like those th those little touches to make him less corporeal, less a uh, thing in the physical world. Were really good touches. Yeah, really so good touches. It's, yeah, and we talked about it on the Mad Max. Uh... The Mad Max episode, how much I love that film. It's 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 a it's a it's a guilty pleasure. It's a it's a it's just a fun ride. So yeah. So we, we I recommend anyone out there go spend your rental money. I think you'll enjoy Drive Angry, as long as you understand that you're going in what you're going in for. You know, it is cheese. B it is B movie cheese. It is super stupid. It is super cheap, but and super fun. Yeah, and super fun. That's it. That's all I got for this week, unfortunately. No problem. No problem. It's a, we'll got, we got next show. Okay, so folks, we're going to talk about medical care in the apocalypse. So, and you know, again, um, there's so much to talk about related to that. You know, because you know when because it's like anything else. Like we've talked about before, when the infrastructures of society collapse. You know, like your transportation, which affects your food, which affects your power, which affects your this. You know, all that affects also your hospitals and your medical industry. And again, depending on the type of apocalypse you're having, you know what? If it's a plague killing 99% of the population, nuclear war killing this and that, um, the big thing you're going to lose, number one, is 
your medical care professionals, whether it's your, your nurse, your doctor, you know, EMTs, all those types of folks, first responders, um, and then you're also going to lose your medicines, you're going to lose your equipment, because a lot of um, modern tech, a lot of modern medicine relies on technology and power and the tools. So there's a lot of factors that are going to come to play that are going to affect you know uh, medicine, how it's not going to exist anymore. Like because I've been th I was thinking about it a lot because it's like you said, number one, like Scott mentioned, some of the first you know because besides whatever the primary kill is of the apocalypse. People always said the secondary kill. Oh, it's going to be suicides and murders and fires. And one thing we never really mentioned, which Scott mentioned, is what about the people dependent on medications and medical equipment? You know, those pe those people are those people are gone in a matter of no time, depending on depending on what their illnesses are, right? Diabetes. Diabetes is going to do a whole lot of people no big favors. Now, if you've got the, was it the type one is the injectionable where your pancreas just crapped out. Type two is where you've got some insulin resistance. You can get by with type two by changing your diet, and you know. But uh, that type one, if I'm getting the types right, that's just you're 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 going to live in a perpetual state of, of messed up blood sugar, which is going to fuck up everything else, including your cognitive ability which is going to shorten your life faster than anything because it's going to affect your ability to make decisions. Oh, yeah, and also just people like, you know, because I think people with diabetes are more prone to infections and not healing. Um, yes. And it's not just those people, just not just diabetics. You know, we have to have a fair amount of it. It's going to be people who with heart conditions, people with uh, lung conditions, you know, people who are on medical equipment, you know, to stay survive. So those people are going to be some of the first people to go Something yeah, simple like like asthma. We know actually on the flip side though of of lung disease, and I've I've very rarely seen this addressed. But you know, depending on the nature of the apocalypse, once civilization collapses, once the infrastructure goes away, you might actually see some forms of lung disease uh, actually going away because the air quality of the earth may be better than it's been in several generations because you won't have factories pumping out chemicals, you won't have uh, you won't have coal burning power plants functioning anymore and things like I that. Would, I would say no, not in the initial kickoff on the grounds that when we talk about apocalypse, the two biggest things that happen in the apocalypse is uh, loss of power. That's the big thing we sort of think of in an apocalypse, that the modern uh, energy distribution disappears. And the other thing that happens is there's a giant population crash um, of some variety, whether it's because of nukes or disease or zombies. But that problem of when we go away, our stuff is still here, just waiting to catch on fire with no fire department. Um, uh, I, I see a period of time after a, a population crash where the cities just burn out of control and you've got this, you know, haze of, of chemical fires, industrial fires, burning tires, burning cars, burning infrastructure that's, you know, going to do the first generation after the apocalypse no big favors as far as their Oh, yeah. Their and, well, and besides that, um, 
nuclear power plants will eventually fail as well. You know, maybe not right away because they do have a lot of safety things in place. As long as those safety nets catch things and disable things so they don't melt down, but you're probably going to have quite a few plants melting down. So now, yeah, again, radiation in the air, but that's, you know, those are other problems. If it's the magical sky bat apocalypse where people just fall over dead for no reason, um, you're still going to have things like, you know, with no damage to the infrastructure, no rioting, no fighting over resources, uh, you know, you're still going to have horrible problems with our own infrastructure coming back to bedevil us because if we're not there to take care of it, it'll it'll try and kill us. Um, the, uh, the, so the thing that we always think about with, with apocalypse is the loss of population and loss of technology, which means that we're going to lose all our MRIs and our radiation treatment and our chemotherapy, and we're not going to be able to distribute the drugs that can be made. Um, we're not going to be able to assemble the parts that make specialized drugs. Um, you know, and, but the one thing that always stands out to me is that, and, and there's going to be a loss of skill sets, loss of knowledge as people disappear. Um, but even so, um, we're still going to have an enormous amount of knowledge locked up in books. Um, and and let, me, let, me put a counterpoint, let me put a counterpoint to that. Initially, yes, people will be able to find the books and read and try to get at least some kind of basic knowledges and understandings. Absolutely, but let's go to the next generation. And we've talked about language before because without formal schooling, unless you're teaching people how to read and understand these medical texts, that knowledge is going to get lost fast. That they're not, not going to be—they're not going to be able to just pick up and read it because two generations down, they might not understand most of the words, so they're not going to be able to read it. You know, things not, are going to have to be passed down. Not to mention that if the, the books, all that knowledge locked up in, you know, a tree pulp, uh, if there's not people taking care of it, it'll degrade. It maybe doesn't degrade as fast as digital information, but it will degrade. Uh, in certain, particularly depending on the climate. You know, coastal areas where all the population is, or is at the moment, you know, maybe their public library rots up to, rots at the black mold quicker than the library in Topeka, Kansas, or Phoenix, Arizona, or something, you know, which is a drier climate. Well, talking also about, like, the loss of, of specialized medical knowledge, uh, you're probably going to see within uh, within a, f- a few generations, and heck, depending on what community you're in, this could happen almost instantly after the apocalypse, you'd see the return of a lot of folk medicine. Uh, and, you know, if you're, if you're fortunate your community might have folk medicine that actually allows them to reproduce penicillin and and reproduce something akin to vaccinations. Because remember, the first vaccination was intentionally infecting people with cowpox, which was closely enough related to smallpox that you would have smallpox antibodies after the infection. So that right. might continue. Uh, you might have people who find ways to repurpose surviving uh, plant life uh, for some medicinal properties. But like a lot, a lot of folk medicine, you'll also have stuff that is absolute, complete nonsense. You know, based on you know what people remember from from like radiation therapy to cure to, used against cancer, you may very well have a community where they say, "Oh, you you've got you've got the gout, no problem. Just rub some radioactive rubble against your shin. That'll clear that right up." 
or, or even stuff that's like outright supernatural, uh, there has long been a practice of using coins that have the emblems of beloved rulers on them as a form of as a form of medicine this was this was common in the middle ages and it is still practiced in certain uh, lesser developed countries so you you may very well have people like hoarding pennies and if someone gets sick like oh sleep with this under your pillow or put this under your boot and it'll take care of whatever your your problem is that that seems so much less horrifying than the rather common myth that you can clear up your bd by having sex with a virgin, uh, which oh. really, which really translates to raping children, when it's applied in you know horrible places uh, around the world, open conflict zones. Um, that I'll, I'll take the pennies over the rape. That sounds good. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually you know something I hadn't even considered though is like you know a venereal disease, but there really would be no defense. <laughs> Well, well, unless you can figure out how to cultivate that blue bread mold for the penicillin. You know? No, yeah. well, no, no, because no, people are going to raid the pharmacies of all the condoms that they have so they continue to have safe sex even after the apocalypse. For a while. I would. For a while, that'll work. You know what? Then they'll have to start making them like the old days with like real sheepskin and you know uh, intestines and stuff like that. Which, which does not stop. Which only stops pregnancy and doesn't stop VD. Yep. Oh, yeah. actually, speaking of climate, maybe you'll be fortunate. Maybe you'll have access to rubber trees. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not counting on that. I'm not counting on that up here in, in Washington State. <laughs> oh, I also think that most people aren't going to be worried about making com uh, condoms after the apocalypse anyway. But, yeah, but um, we're going to be looking to repopulate fast. But on the one hand, though, we're talking about a return to a 18th or 19th century level of medical. Practice at well, best. Or, right. or, or, or maybe initially, I think initially we'll have that because again we're going to have there will again depending on if people survive you might not have doctors but maybe you might have an ENT or maybe somebody who's a medic in the army so people are going to have some some training and knowledge for rudimentary things you know uh, at least some basic knowledge uh, but the problem is going to be is a um, you know, are they going to be able to read up on those books to get more knowledge? Or are they going to be able to pass down that knowledge? Are they going to have to train people? And then also, once all the medical supplies start running out, you know, because they'll start running out, because, you know, the, the manufacturer, you'll be able to raid pharmacies and your Walmarts and your doctors and your hospital offices for a while to get the medication. So, yeah, you'll have all this stuff on hand for a little while, but once it starts to run out. Not to mention the shelf life of the drugs might be shorter. Then they're, you know, then they're, oh, look, we found a stash of penicillin that's five years old. What's that worth, exactly, you know? Well, in well, all, all the medicines that have to be refrigerated, those are going to be gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, also just identifying medication. Like I don't, I don't know if you've ever been like, if you've ever really looked at the medicine you get from a pharmacy. But you know, they they keep it in jars, drawers, wherever behind the counter. Most of that stuff doesn't doesn't have like a name that tells you what it is. Half of the when I've been prescribed medicine, half of the pills just have like a numerical or letter code. Yeah, like, that's I gonna have, go great. I have no idea what O nine XJ means. <laughs> Oh, you, you, you don't want to know what that is, okay? <laughs> and, and yet you keep putting it in your mouth. So, oh, yeah, Will, Will is right. So we be able to understand identify common medical names for medicine. So it could be just an experiment. So that's a problem. So 
and again, surgeries, uh, equipment, knives, sterilization, you know, staph infections, all that stuff's going to come back in force. Yeah, well, but at the same time, it's not going to be a complete drop back to the 19th to the 18th century because knowledge of germ theory is going to hang on pretty good. That is uh, true. And, and those who survive, those who do not die of diseases or infections, are going to be the ones who understand in their community that cleanliness is next to not dyingness. That you, if you soap up, if you clean yourself, you clean your body studiously, you will have, and clean your your cook spaces and your workspaces, you will have less chance of transmitting diseases, particularly through food, uh, you know, and, and touching things. But that level of sanitation, that level of of uh, antiseptic. Uh, you know, precaution will make sure that a community survives where others fail. Um, although, although you have to, go ahead, Will. Go ahead, Will. You have to consider like uh, res like what resources the community has because you might because you know bo boiling surgical implements you know used used to be the primary way of of sterilizing them and I think in a lot of places it still is but you might be in a community where water is where potable water is so scarce that you know. You, your community can't afford to have a pot of boiling water to sterilize medical equipment in. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why you have to keep brewing alive. Really, really pure alcohol, that's yeah. a great disinfectant. Moonshine. Moonshine is going to come back in spades. What well, not, only, not only that, you could use it to decontaminate water. You just mix up some small beer. There's not going to be any microorganisms left in that. Yeah. So the idea that wood alcohol will be sterilizing things, injuries, uh, you know, they can use it for exterior stuff, uh, for surgical implements, that's going to be a big deal. The idea that the community that learns how to make soap first, you know, is going to have a, a huge advantage uh, in preventing disease. But the big ones that I worry about are the mosquito-borne diseases. Malaria, um, yellow fever, you know, um, those guys, uh, all the dengue, all, all the stuff that's born by insects because, as we all know, the mosquito is the most dangerous creature on the planet. It kills more people than even humans, you know. They're just super dangerous motherfuckers. And the, 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 the idea that how are you going to defeat insects, you know, Mostly it's going to involve not living where they're common, like stay out of the swamp. Stay, stay, even, stay, stay out of South Florida where I live where it's all a freaking swamp. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I imagine that communities, in order to fend off this sort of stuff, would actually have to develop uh, protocols where uh, it's tire day. Everyone go round up the tires that are you know half-filled with water. And they have stagnant water in them, and they're breeding grounds for insects. Then it'll become a children's game, you know. That you know, whoever you know collects the most or turns over the most water, you know, wins a prize or whatever. You've got to make that part of the community ritual. So also, that, also, isn't there a type of um, what type of wood is it that's good for uh, that you can burn that's good for um, an insect repellent? There's like certain types of wood. Cedar uh, is no; it has something in it that's bad for insects, bad for moths, anyways. Yeah, so you're gonna, you're gonna you might be going back to things like that, like burning fires around the community with like 
woods or any kind of smells or incense that might repel incense. And again, that's going to tie into what Will was talking about, uh, more natural uh, cures and natural uh, medicines. You know, people might know, like, oh, this type of plant repels insects, which be, and they might burn those types of leaves to help, you know, again, alleviate, uh, you know, the infestations of, the, of, the, of uh, mosquitoes. Oh, but uh, Adam, you had, had mentioned getting children in, involved. Uh, have either of you seen the Australian post-apocalyptic soap opera, The Tribe? Yes. Mm -hmm. No. Well, well, it's it's really it's really neat. Uh, it's you know, the the short of it is that a plague kills off the entire post-pubescent uh, population of Australia. So the only people left are prepubescent kids and kids who haven't finished going through puberty, and they're the survivors. They're the ones trying to make civilization work, and they all break up into different tribes. Well, there's a really neat story arc. I'm guessing it's the third or fourth season. I'm not really sure what episodes I've seen because I kind of only saw them randomly. Uh, now, when I was are you talking them. about the one that's like in the 80s? It was, it was shot in the 80s or early uh, 90s? It, it was in the 90s, but it looks like the 80s because of the post-apocalyptic fashions everyone wears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's, uh, there's, a, there's a character in... in uh, one of the, in like the third or fourth season, uh, where the short of it is, he's the tribe's doctor, and the only reason why he's the tribe's doctor is that at some point, uh, some kids raided the uh, raided the school offices, and they found everybody's permanent records, and they discovered that out of the whole school district, he got the best grades in biology. So since he technically knows the most about the life sciences. They, they force him to be the human doctor, to be the doctor of the, of the tribe. He doesn't even get a choice in the matter. That's <laughs> it. That's his job. And he's just on the spot all the damn time. Because <laughs> essentially, he knows how to dissect frogs really well. And he tests well on that subject. He doesn't know jack shit about medicine, but he's the only guy. Uh, uh, that's not a good scenario. Oh, no. yeah. And like... It's, and it's, it's twist. I mean, there's even a thing where, like, he says, well, if I'm going to be the doctor, I need medical equipment. So some people start bringing me medical equipment. And at one point, uh, some scavenger kids just come in with three garbage bags full of pills stolen from a pharmacy uh, and sharp knives that could be used as scalpels. And they just drop that uh, on the building he's living in. Let me guess. The pills are unmarked. Who knows what they are? There's no way to identify the actual... Yeah, exactly. They're, they're just bottles, they're just large bottles with pills in it, no one can make heads or tail of them. And I think he even mentioned, you know, there should have been a catalog that says what all these are. Why didn't you get the catalog? Because they're geniuses. That's, that's yep. And, and it, it, that's, that's awesome, Will, because that's exactly the kind of stuff that's, because it's not just going to happen with the eight-year-old kid, it's going to happen with these communities. Again, you don't have a doc. Nobody survives in your area who had any kind of medical training, you know, not, not even CPR certified, you know, whatever, you know, there might not be a doctor, you know, I mean, I think there's probably good odds that maybe there might be one person who is either maybe a doctor or a nurse or, or a veterinarian a veterinarian or, you know, a medic in the military or yeah. something. There's, there's, a, there's a chance you're going to have at least maybe one person and they're going to have to be your your pillar of medicine and, and that's going to have to, again, come into the fact of everybody's going to have to, you know, get the supplies brewing the alcohol, getting the equipment. They're going to have to dig because they may, maybe they don't, maybe they were, maybe they were just, they were a corpsman in the army 20 years ago. 
And so they had some kind of first aid medical training, but they know the most out of anybody. Yeah. You're, they're going to have to get the, the, like Scott said, the books. He's going to have to read. He's got to try to learn some stuff. But then, like we said, after we get past that generation, he's going to have to either A, pass the knowledge on to somebody else to train people, uh, where they're going to have to make sure people in the community know how to read and understand these things. Because if they, people can't read, you can have all the medical books on the shelves you know, in your local country doctor's office, but if nobody knows how to read them, understand them, interpret them to figure them out, then they're useless. You might as well burn them. And actually, I, want to, I want to point out something hilarious that I've noticed recently. Uh, when you said country doctor, um, nobody wants to serve as a country doctor. Nobody, nobody, no, fewer and fewer Americans, I should say, want to serve as a country doctor because there's no, there's no big money in it. Everyone wants to get specialized in the pediatrics or podiatry, radiology. So we got fewer and fewer GPs out there. Brain surgeons and neurologists and and the yeah. ones that are out there are the guys who got their medical training overseas and have to get the bottom of the barrel picked. So you go out to Andalusia, Alabama, and your doctor in the dock of the box is, you know, Dr. Um, uh, you know, Dr. Gupta, Dr. Singh, you know, who's come over here from Pakistan or India. I'm not saying he has less of medical knowledge than, than the doctor you know, uh, who's born in the United States. He, you know, Dr. Singh might have been trained in the United States. But what if his medical books are in Pashtun or Urdu, you know? What if he's, he's, he's comfortable with his native language as opposed to English and does some of his reading and you get there and it's all in the wrong damn language, you know? I can't think of a worse screw you to, the, to your post-apocalyptic survivors to find out, find out that the doctor... Doctor, you know, Galifianakis is in, is is got his medical journals in Greek, you know, rather than in English because that's just that what he's comfortable with. That could be the ironic twist ending of like a 1950s or 1970s sci-fi story. The the survivors trek all they do all this raiding and scavenging to get the medical records that they need, and then it's not in a language anyone understands. <laughs> that, that, that is that is yes, well that that is a Twilight Zone episode or or Outer Limits right there, perfect, you know. Um, but the uh, the other thing I was going to say is that um, my wife had mentioned this when I was talking to the doctor about the episode. Uh, Jane had mentioned that one of the things that's going to have vanished is these nodes that concentrate medical skills and all the specialized medical skills and technical skills that make medicine, as we know it today, possible, that the hospital will have collapsed under the weight of the catastrophe. Um, the people who were, you know, going to that hospital every day in order to do their jobs are now dispersed, at, in best-case scenario, have all dispersed off to different places so that they can acquire their, you know, thousand calories a day caloric intake they need not to die you know and that's their new uh, you know priority is how many rats can they catch not do they know how to uh, do they know how to prepare a, a an IV bag or something like that well that's that's even if you know any of them survived you know yeah. uh, depending on again depending on uh, what, what it was. You know, uh, like I said, if it's a if it's a if it's a viral scenario, then a lot of times those doctors 
first casualties died, died with you know uh, the patients because they were they were treating them. So again, I think a lot of those people are going to be sparse anyway. And like Jane had mentioned, and we mentioned it earlier, that the collapse of the infrastructure of you know the power of the hospital, the power to run the hospitals, to run the equipment, to run the refrigeration, to run the equipment, to do the this, 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 and this. Well, so. actually, another uh, aspect of, of uh, health, it's not just humans you got to worry about. Horses and dogs are going to be really important uh, at some point, and you're, you're going to need veterinarians. You're going to need people who can take care of those animals, watch out, can do something to a horse that's thrown its leg, or has the wherewithal to put the horse out of its misery as soon as possible. Yeah, you, 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 need, you need a Herschel, you know? Yeah. Clearly, that's what we need is a Herschel. Uh, the best part about Herschel is now that he's lost a leg, he uh, he couldn't escape the community, so you don't have to hobble him like the uh, like the uh, uh, the blacksmith in medieval town. You know? and, and and that's a per and you know what the Walking Dead is a perfect example. They had Herschel, who was a veterinarian, right? He he was a, he was the veterinarian. He wasn't a regular yep. doctor. He was a veterinarian. He became the medical doctor because. Well, I've treated horses and cows. I don't treat people, but he had to adapt because he was the only guy who had any kind of medical knowledge. Yeah, at least he'd open something up and put it back together again as far as surgery goes, right? Yeah. You know, he delivered a calf. How hard could it be? <laughs> I mean, yes. obviously, you can't quite get your hand up in there the way you can a cow, but, you know, almost. Well, well you know, depends. But, uh, Small uh, hands. Small hands, but um, and like we said, it's not just you know, it's and it's also like uh, not just okay. How are we going to take care of things at, uh, when people get sick? A lot of it is like Scott had said earlier, prevention. Prevention is going to be the key, and we're going to have to take you know. Hopefully, I'm not surviving in a community uh, of Appalachians, you know. Uh, so people who actually you know are a little more hygienic or understand hygiene. So you have to about keeping things clean, even just basic water, soap, because uh, again, infections, uh, keeping your teeth clean. You know, well, dentists. You know, when you have to, oh my tooth. You know, uh, you got to get your. Oh, uh, nothing you know. worse than dying in the post-apocalyptic wasteland of an Im of a impacted tooth. Exactly. Oh my God. Because it, it's really about keeping you from getting sick. Is more. Is probably a bigger, a bigger thing than okay. Well, how are we going to treat it afterwards? Because we don't have the knowledge. You need to have the knowledge to help prevent you from getting sick. You know, whether it's you know, uh, oh, guess what? Lock jogs. They stepped it in this uh, while we were scavenging in the rubble. I stepped on a rusty spike, and now I have you know, now I need a tetanus shot. Oh, we yeah. don't have tetanus shots anymore. Yeah, you can forget that tetanus shot. That's not happening. So a lot of it, I think, I think a lot of it heavily weighs on. Being preventative and understanding, yeah. understanding the preventative, because you know, so, so, suddenly jungle boots with those steel uh, reinforced soles become the only thing you go into the into the rubble with. I mean, oh, let's go and scavenge. Nah, no, we're not. We have the wrong shoes. There's no way we're going in there. Don't be <laughs> such a pussy. Oh, next thing you know, they've 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 got tetanus or some other horrible raging infection. Yeah, and just people just get sick in general. The you know, the, it, you know, sinus infections. I'm, 
I'm prone to sinus infections. I I get at least I get a couple a year, and sometimes they're really bad to where I have to I have to get uh, antibiotics, and I because I, I don't like to take them if I don't have to. But I had two raging uh, sinus infections last year that I was so bad I had to take drugs. And you know what? Something as simple as that, you know, who knows what that could lead to if you don't have it's, medicine it's to gonna, treat it. It's going to lead to you having to use a neti pot is what it's going <laughs> to I have some bad news for you, sir. They're going to have to pour a neti pot up your nose. Oh, my God. You well, might, I, I have one of those. Trust me, but when it doesn't when you're when it's that bad, it doesn't so, really help. So we're prescribing a bullet. Is that where we are? We're back, a we're back to prescribing bullets. You know the number 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 one doctor approved bullets. You know, uh, <laughs> um, it's lead pills. Well, yeah. you, need, you need some. You need some lead. Uh, lead. Yeah, uh, like bullets. You're gonna need a lead injection. Sorry. So okay. yeah, so it, so it's again, so it's it's yeah, like you said, it's like eight, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's Civil War era. We get to Civil War era, but we have, like you said, like Scott said, we have the knowledge of okay, we need to clean off tools, we need to keep things clean, we need to prevent infections, which will help. But you know, depending on where you're at, it may be more primitive. You got to be able to pass the knowledge on, and you got to be able to get the you know, it's oh, it, there's so much, there's so much to think about. Like how bad it could be, you know. Speaking of the Civil War, amputations come back in a big way. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of amputations. Now we're now we're just talking about simple things. What about when the raiders come and people have bullet wounds or people fall out of trees? Accidents, accidents could be deadly because oh, we didn't set the bone right. Now you can't walk anymore, or it tore and you got an infection. It's just you know, accidents would be bad. Treating wounds just from I cut my finger, I got shot, uh, I was mauled by a bear, you know, whatever those things could be. Well, I, I keep thinking of the uh, there was a famous um, uh, Wild West frontiersman who was mauled by a bear and left for dead by his companions, and then later crawled out of the mountains and set to work finding everyone who left him and murdering them. <laughs> um, I mean, it was eventually turned into some movie I, I sort of remember with Richard Harris being mauled by the bear, but um, one of the reasons he didn't die from the bear mauling is that he found a log that had a clutch of maggots in it and went and rolled the maggots into his bear mauled wounds and had the maggots eat the infection out of his... Out of his injuries. No, that's true. The maggots will eat the necrotizing flesh, which actually does prevent spread of infection. So, 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 so maggots, so maggots are going to be uh, are going to have a comeback, right? Uh, as far as I know, they were using maggots to clean wounds as late as the First World War. Yep. And I've and, I, and I've heard and see, I've I've seen some articles in the recent past where they talked about how there some places are experimenting and using maggots to treat certain wounds, you know, depending on... So I think people with, like, bad infections, like, again, I think people maybe, whether it's diet, or people who don't heal properly, like... Well, maggots, yeah, maggots do not eat living, healthy tissue. It's horrible. You don't want to see it or feel it. But they're not going to actually, as long as they're sterile, and not bringing more infection with them. 
uh, they'll they'll wipe out an infection. Then you gotta uh, you gotta scoop them out. You know, we've, yeah. uh, we've talked a lot about uh, about medical medical expertise, but something that I just because I'm darkly whimsical in that way, something that I know is going to come back in the apocalypse is quackery. Oh, what do you mean come back? It's still here. Especially <laughs> if the guy's mobile because you show up with your bullshit and you get out of the way before the consequences become oh, clear. Yeah. You show up in a horse-drawn ambulance that you've painted with Dr. Cornucopia's miracle serum on the side, and you sell people grain alcohol that's been, uh, that has a bit of cherry juice and hallucinogenic mushroom powder in it as a miracle cure-all, and everybody feels great, but all they're doing is feeling great. No one's getting better, but then you're off to the next settlement. Yeah, yes, and hopefully you can move faster than the uh, posse can ride after you. And tar and feather you or whatever for doing well, going that. Yeah. Further is you know even even your town's your town's medical person could very well be just an opportunistic quack you know and if and if anybody ever dies under his care and perhaps most do he can always say well you brought him to me too late or well we didn't have the right medicine scavenged even though he just doesn't know what he's doing well, that's, and that's, anyone who does survive is so thankful they'll never hear a word spoken against him. No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't he didn't take the medicine like I told him. I told him not to do that. Yeah, yeah. It was, and and frankly, that's not that. You know, conditions like that aren't that old. I mean, prior to, you know, uh, a more you know modern licensing system, we had a lot of quackery in America. You know, uh, this great first world nation we're so proud of. Um, we had plenty of quack doctors and quack clinics. Around the country, the idea that that would, you know, somebody wouldn't go, oh look here, this looks like a great way to separate the locals from their wheat harvest or whatever we're using for barter these days, bullets if it's Metro 2033. But yeah, or you know, there's going to be people doing that. And I would like to go take a one moment to talk about Russians now that I've mentioned Metro 2033. The two things I think of with Russian healthcare are the 1960s incident where the Russian doctor at, a, at an Arctic research station yep. removed his own appendix oh. under local anesthesia. Yeah, yeah. I, I recently read the whole the whole story about that. Do you remember what the doctor's name was at all? Because again, no. I just, Dr. Badass. Yeah. <laughs> Pagan Dr. Badass. <laughs> a badassky, I think, if, if you're, if you're doing in, in the original Russian. Um, but yeah, he, he got like some mirrors, some local anesthetic, and apparently got the base mechanic to assist because at least the guy was used to digging around in things, you know. And no, he, he he wound up he was trying to prep people how to help him, but it wound up being you no, know, he wound up having the holding mirrors and stuff, and it wasn't effective. So he he just what they didn't do. He did all of it. He went in himself and did it all by touch. He tried the mirrors, but it was backwards, and it was throwing them off. So he did it all uh, by touch. Ah, uh, and I just, just the idea. And apparently, he would like what pass out and then do it some more and pass out and wake up and do it some more. Yeah, it wasn't. He, he barely. It was not a good scenario, but he did it. Yeah, he totally and, did it. And talk about primitive conditions, you know. Oh yeah. But the other one was uh, I saw a thing on 
Discovery Channel or back when it actually had science programs or whatever, which was a documentary of the Russians out in Siberia in the 90s when Russia was out of everything. When the economy was crashed and there was huge, uh, you know, uh, deficits in medical care and gear where these guys did a heart transplant with no anesthesia. Oh, Jesus. wow. Where these guys, they, they, they took the patient, they didn't have enough blood for the transfusion, so or anesthetic, so they they induced hypothermia. They killed the patient by freezing him to death, and in a thing of, you know, a tub of ice water, got him out, got the heart out of him, you know, in the time it would take for brain death to, to set in from lack of oxygen, and jammed the new heart in, and were literally just beating on that sucker like they were trying to bang the you know, the, the spark plugs, the new carburetor in, and got the patient going again. And I just remember sitting there on the couch watching this with uh, Blair Reynolds, who worked in hospitals his whole career as a pharmacist assistant, and he's looking at this going, modern American doctors would tell you that that was impossible. they just say it could be done. It's not possible. It's outside the realm of their ability to comprehend because they've had every tool that they could possibly ask for, and if they don't have the tool, they'll send it to the guy who has the tool. You know? Well, yeah, because they, they, there's a, yeah, I think me and you were talking about this. They have a dependency now on the tools. If yeah. they don't have, they don't have it. They, they improvise, you know, improvising. They don't, they don't improvise as like like they maybe they used to. Well, they're not trained on it. I mean, what you'd want to find are 19th century medical manuals. You know that maybe talk about how to diagnose a cancer when you don't have an MRI, you know? How do you, you know, and of course, diagnosing cancer, what do you do about it? I guess you go, well, you got cancer. But, you know, trying to diagnose things, particularly neurological disorders due to, you know, numbness, your balance, your, uh, these various other tests, they threw a little bit of that out every once in a while in some of these medical dramas like uh, uh, Q. Laurie's House MD, where they'll get somebody who can't be diagnosed by the usual gear, uh, like the guy who's got a plate in his head, and you can't put him in the MRI machine because it'll just jerk the plate right out of his head. So they've got to come up with these 19th century diagnostics uh, you know, in order to determine what the problem is. And uh, I always find that sort of fascinating. That we have had doctors for since ancient times, you know, and they've progressively gotten better at what they do, you know, um, but uh, getting a setback of, getting a setback from the 21st century to the 19th century feels like a bigger drop in medical technology than a drop from the 19th century to the 10th, you know. Like, the, the Romans are, 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 are chipping out pieces of guy's skull and putting a plate in the, over a fracture and sewing the scalp up over it, you know, in their day and age. Although, actually, speaking of, uh, speaking of like, ancient medicine, just because I would love to see this repurposed uh, for the apocalypse, uh, during the, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, there, you know... Your 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 doctors, you know, might, might as well have been practicing magic, and a lot of them claim to be one of the. If you had like a sword wound, 
uh, if you went to the surgeons, well, they would just keep poking at that wound, and you would probably die from an infection very painfully a week or a month later. Um, but because the the current doctrine was this idea of sort of sympathetic magic, uh, if you had the knife that or the sword that had stabbed you, they would actually basically treat the sword. Uh, because they would be believed that there would be a sympathetic link between the sword and the wound, and those patients actually often would survive if only because no one was poking at and reopening their wound. <laughs> I could totally see that same kind of weird backwards logic happening, you know, in in you know the post-apocalyptic thing. Well, if we can get the raiders' rusty pitchfork, we can pour disinfectant on that, and the guy will be fine. Or you know, even crazier. Well, this man was shot. We need the gun that shot him. <laughs> Yeah, that's wow. uh, and, and again, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, that may happen because, like Willis said, with the quackery is because unfortunately people don't have, you know, in general, people have, you know, I think most of them people have some sort of base level of first aid, you know, like okay, I know to put a bandaid on things, you know, uh, really basic stuff. So you get somebody coming along who claims to have all this medical knowledge. Uh, when you don't have anybody that has medical knowledge, again, that's where the like Will said, the quacks come back because people are going to believe like, okay, well, we don't know anything about this. You claim to know something about it, okay, treat us. Well, the you know, hope, the yeah, hope, because people are people are going to be willing to put all their eggs in that basket because we don't know shit about it. So hopefully that person is legitimate and not a quack. So yeah, the the whole issue of you know again the medical care, it's it's very complicated. And again. Add all this on top of everything else we've discussed in the past about you know currency and food and this and this. It just it's it's so complex. It's beyond can complex. I, can I just say that one of the surest ways you're dealing with a quack is if he's moving. You know, if if <laughs> if, if the guy comes to your town and says, "I'm Doc So and So, here to help." You know, like really? Did you? Where else have you been? Oh, I've helped all these other communities. And my first thought is, they let you leave. I mean, if you're good at your job, it's like, Doc, we really appreciate all your help. You're not going anywhere, you know. You find an actual trained doctor, they become the, they become a hostage, you know. They yeah. might not be allowed to leave. Uh, from uh, or, or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, because it's not like where, in, remember in Survivors, they had the caravan guy who was just collecting everything. And he was marking where people were on maps, and he was going. I'll see you next season. You know, yeah. you know that's what you think would happen with a doctor, because yes, they're going to come around, they're going to check on everybody. But I think, I think the urge to okay, let's keep this guy because we need him is going to take over. It's not, they're not going to be oh, he'll come back in a couple months. No, no, he could go out and get hurt or killed out there in the world. He could be robbed by uh, guys who want to take all of his uh, anesthetic and you know because they're junkies. No, 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 no. We'll do him a favor by setting him up in a house here, and we'll bring him books, and we'll, you know, bring him supplies, and uh, we won't let him leave. Unless he's a really good entre entrepreneur who travels around with a set of guards in a caravan who are going to protect <laughs> him and drive him around because they know, you know what? Besides just you know my hip, you know my oath to help people. We can make a shitload of money because we're going to come in, we're going to treat these people, they're going to pay us with everything they have, and we're going to keep on to grow and get fatter with all their goods. You know, so if they, if they have you know vehicles and he has protection and he's organized, 
that might work, you know? And the, the moment that he's no longer able to move around, we keep saying he, a number he, of she, our... Well, you know, a number of our, of our post-apocalyptic doctors were female, and I think of survivors. Right? Yes. The main doctor in the group is a woman. Um, but uh, let's say, you know, traveling becomes problematic. Old, injury, not safe out there. Uh, maybe what happens is you settle down in your doctor practice, and then some other local town sends over some the smartest guy in the village to learn from the doctor, and she teaches him how to be a doctor as best she can, um, and that village kicks in 5% of their, you know, their grain take or a couple of pigs every month to pay for the education, you know, so that that town now gets extra, you know, goodies from the surrounding countryside to train people up to some sort of competency. And now we started in medical schools again. Yeah, yeah. But it becomes a game of telephone, you know, where he tells, you know, Dr. A, she tells Dr. B, Dr. B goes and tells Dr. C, and, you know, how much of this is going to be accurately transferred unless you got the books. Oh, and as long as we're, we're spinning uh, scenarios, you know, cause, uh, in, in so many, you know, post-apocalyptic uh, worlds, there, there is some sort of enclave that's holding onto the te their technology. Maybe you've got a walled city or, or a bunker or, or some place where they do have a 21st or 22nd century standard of living. Well, you've got that community. At some point, somebody in that community is going to need an organ transplant, and there's nobody within the bunker disposable enough to get those organs from. You might have a whole cottage industry of raiders who go out looking for healthy, unmutated, uncontaminated people to bring back to the bunkers to be used as organ transplants. Wasn't that the wasn't that yes. the plot of Stoneface? Wasn't that uh, the plot of Stoneface uh, yes. in the Deathlands? And it was also. One of the main, uh, it was a main plot line in the space, in one of the Space 1999 episodes, the... Uh, yes, you're right. Uh, I can't remember which one it is. Oh, was it the Quest of the Darians or the Darians? Yes, the Darians, yes, because they, you know, the, Dar the original Darians were still there hundreds of years later because they had the people in the city that was radiated find the health, you know, find people who, you know, uh, they, they killed the mutants, but they kept the healthy people and they use them as organ donors, you know, to keep them alive. And you might not even have to send out raiders. You could just spread rumors of this wonderful utopia in the bunker, but only healthy, pure people can get in. But, of course, the moment you get in, you're drugged and put into the organ bank. Yeah, it's starting to sound like Clonus uh, parts. Project the Clonus, Janus, the Clonus horror. The, yes, the Clonus horror. Ripped like, off by Michael Bay in the island. Completely, and not and as bad as the Clonus Horror is, the island is worse. <laughs> I, actually, I actually like the Clonus Horror because it ends up with everybody in the clone farm achieving their destiny as spare parts. You know what I mean? Well, it's also just grounded in reality, just the fact that one of the clones finds a can of Milwaukee beer, and that's the inciting incident, you know? Yeah, that there's an outside world. Did this come from America? And it's like, uh, yes. So America's close? No, no. <laughs> you don't get to go to America until, you know, you score 10 out of 10 on the push-up chart or the, the jogging or whatever, maintain the right body mass index. I love the idea that the clone... No, let's not get off the clone farm. 
because that was again different sci-fi, not uh, uh, silliness. But yeah, and and also uh, like I think I was just thinking about it again was what Will had mentioned a lot of you know there may be a large recurrence of amputations, like you said, you know, just like the Civil War. Because well, we can't treat your horribly mangled and diseased uh, legs, or we have to cut it off. So. You know, there'll be a lot of saws around and a lot of uh, cauterization. There'll probably yeah. be there'll probably be a rise to that because anybody could just take a saw and cut things off and stick a hot poker on it to try to well, let's try to seal it up. You know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it'll work. And yeah. of course, you might. You just because I love improvised post-apocalyptic technology. You might have communities that have had like found ways to improve the process of amputations. For instance, you have a motorcycle up on a jack, but the rear wheel's been replaced with a buzzsaw blade. So you just slide your leg underneath it, rev up that motorcycle, have somebody crank the jack down, you get a nice, clean cut. Wow. Oh, that's, that's Will, always thinking outside the box. Wow. I, oh, not, I know, I, not even the portable guillotine. You went with the buzzsaw. That's that's nice. No, no, no. What I would have thought of, I would have thought of. Let's go to uh, let's go to our lo local grocery store to the meat department and get the big get one of those meat saws that they cut the huge chunks of meat with. You know, <laughs> cut it right off. Have, wow. have you guys ever seen the bizarre sci-fi movie uh, Eating Pattern? I believe it, it's one of the movies that eventually turned into the TV series Lex. No. Yes, it was. It was one of the. It was one of those sequels to uh, "I Worship His Shadow." Yeah, where it all takes place on this post-apocalyptic planet. You know, presumably civilization on the planet got wiped out because of pollution, because there's just garbage piles everywhere. But there's this small group of survivors who are living in what looks like an old oil derrick, and and they they've survived, but they're all infected with these parasitic worms that may or may not be keeping them alive because presumably some of them may be a few hundred years old, and they have to take this drug to keep the worm from actually killing them, but the drug is made from recycled body parts, and the drug also makes them go insane, and so their whole civilization is built around this elaborate game of roulette where you strap two people into a roulette wheel, spin them around, and where it falls determines how much of the drug the winner gets and how many limbs the loser has to lose. <laughs> to make that, drug. Was that the Rutger Hauer one? Yeah, Rutger Hauer's in that one. Yeah, that poor bastard. He plays Boss Bog. Oh my god, I remember that. I, I begin, Now I wonder whether or not that influenced the Children of the Worm stuff I wrote for Delta Green Targets of Opportunity. <laughs> Might have. That, that was all about worms and, and parasites and symbiotes and immortality and all kinds of bad things. But, Not uh, bad things. All right, folks. Uh, so we're uh, a little bit top the past the top of the hour, and Scott has a cat, as we can see. Let's see, let's see, see the see the kitty. Hello, kitty cat. That's Django. Hello, that's Django. So uh, that's our post-apocalyptic. Uh, Medic right there, the cat. So he'll clean your wounds by licking them. Yes. So, um, hmm. But uh, something to be said for that. Don't, so, don't laugh. There's, there's, there's Roman temples in England where they had dog kennels uh, as part of the, the... The temple was also a hospital. Do, 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 wait, do, do you mean mattresses? Hmm. Anybody? Anybody? Oh, yes. What? Dog kennels, mattresses... Which Python sketch is that? 
Oh, you got it. At least it's Python. Very good. It wasn't. I, it wasn't the. Uh, oh, it was the. It was the department store. Department store. I think it was the. Um, it was. It was the whole. Sh the one character they're always looking for. The, I, I, oh, it's been Michael, so long. Michael, Michael Ellis. Michael it Ellis. Ellis. It was the Michael Ellis day we sketch. Yes. Paging Michael Ellis. That is. It's like we we need a mattress. Don't don't, don't say mattresses. Uh, somebody did somebody say mattresses to Mister somebody? Yes, twice. You know. Um, to, now we have to stand in the bucket and sing. Get it? We, we need more people. So anyway, uh, sorry we digress. But you said dog kennels and it just. They, have, they would have dog kennels on in the temple, uh, which is a temple for healing people, uh, because of the myth that a dog licking a wound would cause it to heal more quickly. So interesting. And but, that's uh, why, that are, there's some truth to that. Dog spit is apparently antiseptic to some strains of bacteria, but oops can also be a carrier of other strains, so it's hit or miss. Hit or miss. But it's a common myth. So anyway. Uh, but no, that, no, that's very, you know, I didn't mean anyway, but no, that's, that's actually well, very the, interesting. The, let's be honest, the dog kennels aren't nearly as interesting as the mattresses. <laughs> no, 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 but that's actually very interesting because, well, I said the cats, you know, they clean themselves and the dogs and spit, yeah, it's, it's like, well, you're going to get rabies or you're going to get cured, you know? it's you toxoplasmosis from the cat. Yes. Yeah, clearly that's too late for me. I'm a goner on the toxoplasmosis front. That's... Mm -hmm. So that's 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 uh, that is actually interesting. And then I was sorry about the mattresses, folks. It's just that that's the way my mind works. Is you said I it again. I probably he said it again. I probably haven't thought about that in I can't tell you how long. that all of a sudden he said that. And I thought that. So that's just that's how this mess of a brain works. Okay. It's like, it, it's like a pachinko game. It's like it's got little uh, BBs that roll around in there and they get stuck in certain spots. Exactly. So, uh, so anyway, folks. So that's uh, that's our discuss our our discussion on medical care and the apocalypse. Again, we easily could have talked about more stuff, gone for hours, but I think we covered a lot of the bases uh, of the subject of you know medical care, like the possibilities, you know what what we may or may not need to do, what's going to happen. Just there's just a lot of stuff to think about. So, you know, stock up on aspirin, folks. So, uh, um, any Scott, any last words uh, on uh, the medical subject for the? Uh, no, that's uh, I, I I have no more words, uh, not today. Anyways, um, sorry, no more words. No more okay. words. No more words. Okay, Berlin. But uh, what, <laughs> William? Again, he doesn't. Uh, any any last words on the um, <laughs> medical care in the apocalypse? Uh, no, just uh, just you know, keep keep your people healthy as long as possible. Yeah, it's it's all going to be prevention, not cure in the apocalypse. Once you yes. get to the cure part, it might be too late. Yes, and and that's basically what my last words are going to be talking about. It's like you know, prevention is number one, um, and you know, uh, treatment is second because you have more control over prevention than you have treatment. So. Uh, so that's it, folks. That's uh, episode forty-seven, medical care in the apocalypse. Uh, we will. We have. To, yeah, we have time. Yeah, two weeks. So we have time for one more show before Gen Con because myself and Scott will be at Gen Con. William T. Thrash will be at Gen Con as well. Uh, he's going to be rep representing all that he represents uh, at Gen Con. 
uh, himself. So you'll be what representing yourself, Skirmisher, Dean Infinity, uh, the whole whole nine yards. Myself, huh? Dean Infinity, Skirmisher, and of course Kettle of Fish Productions. Kettle That's of Fish a lot Productions. of hats. That's a oh, lot of yeah. fucking hats. Are are you going to be a wandering minstrel as usual, or are you going to be stationary? Uh we we've ha we are going to be more confined, but still a bit wandering. Although you know, you mentioned a lot of the hats. That's not a problem because I'm a try. Uh, I'm a try. Uh, Quotho or whatever, the, whatever the guy is from Total Recall. Uh, Quato. I'm a try Quato. So I've got three extra mutant body heads that I can put those hats on. Nice. Wow, that was a reach. It was, but, but again, thinking outside the box. And then Scott and I will also be at Gen Con, which is at the begins at the end of this month. We'll be in booth 709. We'll be peddling our mostly non-apocalyptic wares, for, you know, a day on industries and pagan publishing, all a lot of Lovecraft Cthulhu-based items. But uh, I will be there with. Uh, I do have still quite a few of my podcast background zero bottle caps, so maybe a, a lucky fan will come up and ask me for one because I will have those with me, and you might be able to get one of these one of these beauties right here. So just keep that in mind if you are going to be at Gen Con. I think, I think, I think Ford Finch is going to be there, so maybe uh, Ford will want to try to get one for me. I, I can't believe that. Was it last year that we had our first person come up and actually acknowledge us? Uh, yes. Yes, it was. And, I, and, and, I, and it happened again to me at, uh, here in Seattle at uh, PAX. Somebody's like, you're not that guy from that podcast. I'm like... Wow, apparently of our 80 viewers, you know, at least a few of them have turned up at Gen Con. And, and well, it's, well, well, the fan base is growing. We have over, I think we have close to 250 subscribers on the YouTube channel now. Oh, uh, there you go. And we, we've breached the 150 likes on the uh, on the Facebook page, so it, it's, it's getting around. You know, it's a little, little uh, I know, 150, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. So so that's it, folks. So uh, I said we'll have one more in before we go to Gen Con. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do yet. I have, a, I have a couple of ideas of what I'd like to, of what I'd like to do. Uh, one idea I'm thinking about is I want to do uh, I want to I want to talk about three films that are have a, all have the same um, source material. The one from the '60s, the one from the '70s, and the one from the 2000s Ooh. that relate to I Am Legend. All right. That's yeah, that's one idea I have. Uh, I'm thinking about that, and then. Maybe also I want to talk about. Uh, we haven't really done a show on survivors. Um, if I could get if I could get a hold of the the 2008 version, and I could watch those. Maybe we'll do that. So I don't know. I have a couple ideas kicked out there. When I know, I'll I'll post it. I'll post it up there, folks. If so I could you know. if I could suggest a topic, uh, robot apocalypses or machine apocalypses. We have uh, that has been suggested. We've talked about that. We haven't. Well, we've done. Well, we've done monster apocalypses. We haven't done the. Ro yeah. Well, the we robot. We have not, I don't believe, done a robot apocalypse. We have not done a robot apocalypse because uh, I think I'm a little lacking in that. Besides, you know, the Terminator movies. I mean, what else do you know? I mean, I guess we, you know, Pacific Rim. That's a, well, no, I think a robot apocalypse would be the robots causing the the destruction. So. Um, well, one of the problems. With Terminator. One of the problems. The Matrix. Matrix. You got the Matrix. Um, although. Uh, Matrix is more of a robot dystopia, like Colossus, the Forbin Project, or... But it, sort started, of, but it yeah. started off as a robot apocalypse, that's for sure. You know? I suppose Alpha Complex from Paranoia. Yep. That's more of a... It's an AI, so I'm not sure if that's robots. Well, the AI didn't necessarily engineer the apocalypse, although Metal Zoic is a good comic to talk about in that. Mm. All right. 
Well, that's well, that's uh, that, you know, that we haven't touched on that. And you're right, Will. Uh, we've talked about it a long time ago. Uh, we might we probably won't do that for the next show because I don't have a good knowledge base of, of the robot apocalypse yet. So maybe in a, maybe in a show or two, I, so I can expand my you know uh, limited knowledge on robot apocalypses. But that's a that's a good one as well, and I'm sure Will would like to participate in that one as well. So because he brought because sure. he, he brought it up. <laughs> But it's yes, good. No, we always nobody, enjoy having Nobody can put anything past you, Jared. You just sniffed out I, Mr. Trasher's interest in that robot apocalypse like that. I, 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 I am Sherlock Holmes there with that. I am sharp as a tack, man. I'm telling you. But uh, all right, so that's it, folks. So we will see you in two weeks. So thank you uh, from myself, from Scott, from Will. We are all saying good night, and we will see you in the wastelands.